2: It's the list
3: Chris and the Chris
2: at fightful.com. fightful.com. With Jimmy Van and
3: Chris Famfleet.
1: They're
2: on fire. Ooh. Boom, shaka 200 strong.
3: <laughs> that well, so good.
2: <laughs> welcome, welcome. This is Fightful Wrestling. This is not the list, and your boy. This is the second edition of the list and the Chris. You know me. I'm Jimmy Van, the founder of Fightful.com, and I am being joined today by former backyard wrestling champion. His name is Chris Sharp. Check out this picture from 2001. Oh boy. There he is. Wow. Look at this guy.
3: Look at that hair. Frosted My goodness. Tips.
2: Man, in sync back in Toronto, Canada. Look at that! Tell me about Chris Sharp, man. Tell me about this.
3: Chris Sharp was sharp talking, sharp walking, as you can see from that photo, <laughs> Jimmy. Sharp dressing, two-time H.C.W. Backyard Wrestling Champion, and that photo was on John O'Vision. Remember John O'Vision? Absolutely, I remember John O'Vision. Jonathan yeah. Torrens, the guy who played what was the character J Rock on Trailer Park Boys, he was a TV host. In Canada, like when he was, I don't know, 20 or something. And he hosted a show called JonoVision. Remember Street Sense? He came from the show Street Sense. I remember that too. Yes. So he was on JonoVision or he hosted JonoVision. I was a guest on JonoVision as a part of this episode where they were talking about like, create your own whatever. And we had created our own backyard (laughs) wrestling company. It was so, so silly, but I actually pretty decent. Chris Sharp had a finishing move that made no sense the setup was, that's incredible. Remember uh, the the spinning tombstone that, that Just Incredible Just used to incredible.
2: do?
3: And then I would climb up and do a swanton bomb, which I got to say, if you search really, really hard, you will find clips of my swanton bomb. It was pretty good. It's a really? pretty good swanton Okay,
2: now was it the kind of swanton where only the back of your head hits the guy? Yeah. Because okay, okay. I'm not a fan of that one. The whenever you would see a bigger guy do a swanton, the bigger guys, they would do it where only the back of their head would hit the guy because otherwise it could be a, a tough bump for the guy to take on the on the right. ground. But I always hated it because I thought, how is that supposed to hurt?
3: It's the back of the dude's head. But that's how Jeff Hardy originally did it. Was it? Because he did a, a, like eventually he went full body. Yeah, which I just think because the bump's a lot easier for him to take. Maybe. Yeah. But thank you for having me back on. I I would like to propose a new title for the show. Really? Let's hear it. Two Vans, One Vleet. (laughs) You're so clever. You're so clever. I got
2: to ask you one other thing. Now, I chose not to take a video clip of this. Uh Uh-oh. I was going to, but I chose not to were you back in the day back in the late 90s early 2000s you must have been a triple h fan or, or a dX fan you must have been do you know why i'm asking you that uh is was it the tape that I, oh no the water spitting right yeah on your entrance for a, yes. for a backyard match you did the triple h water spit
3: yeah I definitely huge triple h fan it's funny because it was austin McMahon in the attitude era that got me into wrestling like I, I was watching zero wrestling till i was like 15 years old in fact i my Dad hated it. Both my parents did not enjoy wrestling. My dad would get so mad and stand in front of the TV like, you are not watching this. And I would like do that thing where like the back button on the remote would be like the Leafs game or the Blue Jays game. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, I was just watching the Leafs. They're um, losing again. (laughs) I can't believe it. Uh So when I got into pro wrestling, I started watching everything. It was Raw and Nitro and SmackDown and all of it. So, rock, I was a huge rock fan, but then, like, there was something about Triple H when he had the um entrance theme one, two, is this on? <laughs> and by the way, it's one, two, is this on? I, I, it's amazing to me how many people thought it's like want some or wanton. Actually, write in the comments what you thought those lyrics were. I thought
2: it was pretty clear, it seemed pretty yeah, clear. I thought to it, was what clear it was clear too. one, yeah. two, yeah, check, check, is right. this on? Right, yeah, yeah. But it'd be very
3: interesting to see. Everybody thinks it was something else. But yeah, Triple H was a huge fan of just that. He was the ultimate heel in like 2000, 2001. And that entrance theme so good.
2: Interesting. Maybe the next time I have you on, I'll grab that clip because I watched it. And uh, boy, Chris Sharp, what an intimidating uh, young man he was. I want to. Uh, I want to mention one other thing before we get uh, into the news here. So, actually, I'm going to mention two things.
3: Well, I, I just uh, want to mention one thing. He was so intimidating that he might poke you in the eye with his spiky yellow hair.
2: <laughs> yeah, and probably do some damage because I'm sure that there's product in that hair. There's so uh, plenty
3: of product in that hair. It's probably still in my hair.
2: <laughs> Next thing I want to do is I want to actually give you props because. So if you guys go to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash I have started focusing more on our shorts. On, on mm. I started doing so after having a conversation with Chris Van Vliet, who told me about the success that he was having on his YouTube channels doing shorts. So I decided to get more into it, more involved. I recruited hey. a editor and uh, we're doing some pretty good numbers. We're seeing
3: some quick growth on our YouTube channel. So kudos to you for that. Chris Van Vliet It's working out well. Happy to hear. I feel like I should be teaching some sort of a course on this, which is actually maybe something that'll be coming up around the corner here. But while we're talking about YouTube, if you're watching this right now and you're not subscribed, my main channel is Chris Fanfleet. Maybe someone could put that in the comments. And then I've got the Clips channel, which Jimmy referenced, CVV Clips, which maybe someone could also put in the comments there. And I just did an interview with LA Knight yesterday. It already has 110,000 views. So if you want to check out the full interview, that's on the main channel. Tons of clips on the clips channel. Awesome. He better win money in the bank. That's all I got to say. So I hope you uh, talk a bunch about that because yes, oh yeah, he, he needs to win money in the bank.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Uh, this week, AEW is in town here in Toronto, Canada. They, they're, they're running four shows between forbidden door and collision. And they're in Hamilton for uh, dynamite tonight. They're taping collision in uh, Hamilton tomorrow. Uh, I want to th- uh, show you a throwback photo. I had the opportunity this week to reconnect with an old buddy that wow. I hadn't seen that I hadn't seen in quite a while. Check out this photo from June of 1999. If Joel Pearl has it now, it might be hard oh to see. Oh my gosh! Yeah, if you look on the far right with the uh, with the jean shirt there, that's me from 1999. And if you look between the bushwhackers, standing right behind the bushwhackers, that would be a very young Justin Roberts
3: man look at those 1999 baggy pants yeah
2: <laughs> i guess that was the style at the time and you can see right behind justin there is the late great george the animal steel yeah and over on the far left is the late uh, sherry martell who was amazing sherry was awesome oh my,
3: look at all the legends in this photo that's a great photo
2: yep so that was the first time that i ever met him and uh, we had the opportunity to, to reconnect this week uh, justin's a good dude and uh, yeah. time goes by man 24 years ago was uh, the first time we met. So I wanted to throw that up. And that is an awesome segue into some AEW. So I want to get your thoughts on this. Now, first off, let's talk a little bit about Forbidden Door. Sure. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Forbidden Door was never intended to be for the casual audience. There are always going to be AEW haters that are going to try to shit on the company saying, oh, you don't properly introduce the wrestlers from New Japan. Uh, You don't give us an opportunity to know who they are. If you feel that way, Forbidden Door is not for you, and it never was for you. This is for AEW's devoted fan base, is for the smart fan that watches wrestling coverage from a variety of, of, of various companies. And keeping that in mind, um, I think Forbidden Door was a very well-received show. Omega and uh, Osprey's be considered an all-time classic. But again, depending on what side of the fence you're on, if you're the casual fan, Uh, you're probably giving the show mixed reviews. If you're the devoted fan, you're saying it's an all-time great
3: show. What were your thoughts on Forbidden Door? I think you nailed it, Jimmy. If you're the casual fan, I'm willing to bet you probably didn't even see Forbidden Door. And you maybe saw a few clips online and went, not my cup of tea. And that is totally okay. Because like you said, this is for somebody, not just an AEW fan, not just a New Japan fan, but this is for somebody who enjoys that style of wrestling. And I I think that they knocked it out of the park. I would actually say that this was a much better card than Double or Nothing was. And there was so much buildup into Double or Nothing, but there weren't a ton of matches on that card that made people go, oh man, I need to buy this event. With uh, Forbidden Door, there were actually matches there, unlike last year's Forbidden Door. And there was, I mean, obviously some issues there with a lot of injuries, but there were matches this year where people went, I never thought I would see this person versus this person. I need to tune in for this. I think this is going to go down as one of AEW's best pay-per-views of the year because top to bottom, these were all just fantastic matches with great storytelling.
2: And I should also note here, uh, get in your super chats on YouTube. If you want your question statement right on the air or go to humperchat.com. If you don't want to donate through YouTube, get your question or statement right on the air that way as well. And I should have noted because I got Chris Van Vliet on the show today. If you want to ask Chris Van Vliet about any of the interviews that he has done, if you want to ask him about Dakota Johnson, if you want to ask him about The Rock, if you want to ask him about whatever the girl's name is from the, from, uh, from not. Up, because uh, I forget. Oh,
3: Leslie, man! Yeah, there Wait, you go. There maybe you go. you want to watch me? Uh, ask me about the uh, Anne Hathaway interview that I get tagged in almost every day. Where I was a forward young man, I got tagged in that again this morning. But yeah, and, and if you want to ask me about the conversation that Jimmy and I had about creating shorts and growing your YouTube channel, and maybe actually getting that monetized on YouTube, we can do that too.
2: There you go. So anything that you want to ask us, uh, send in your super chest to get that done or go to HumperChat.com and and uh, send in your question statement and we will read it on the air. All right. Now back to forbidden door. Yeah. Uh, one person that I've always been a big fan of even before AEW began is Kenny Omega. He's somebody I've never been a huge Japanese wrestling fan, but I've always been a fan of Kenny Omega because he's somebody it's hard for him to not catch your attention because of how good he is in the ring. I wanted to ask you your thoughts on uh, that infamous spot now that happened in the match with Will Ospreay. Of course, it was the Tiger Driver 91 spot where Omega was dropped on his head. Now, one thing that people need to understand because some people, you know, on some of the discourse that I saw on social media, some people tried to make like it was a slip. There was no slip. That's kind of how that move works is you get dropped on your head. Fortunately, Kenny Omega was fine afterwards, but what were your thoughts on that spot? Do you think, you know, they're taking too many risks and eventually, you know, things might not go the way they should, or do you think these are two professionals they have been doing this for a long time? So it's perfectly fine. What were your, thought, what were your thoughts on that spot that's been getting a lot of attention?
3: Well, there's certainly two professionals that have been doing this a long time. And on top of that, they are also arguably two of the very best in the world, no matter what style you like or what company you like, you know, these are two of the very best at what they do. So- They know what they're doing, right? That's one of those spots that they want people to go, Oh, and that's exactly what all of us did and are still doing. Here we are, half a week later, we're still talking about that spot. So I think that it accomplished exactly what they wanted to accomplish. But that's got to be a tough thing for someone like a Daniel Bryan to watch going, Oh, man, you know, I, I was retired because of neck injuries. I would just hate for something to happen to these guys. And I know they're working safe. They clearly know what they're doing, but there's got to be a certain element of that where you go, man, a millimeter this way or that way, we could be having a very different conversation.
2: Uh, let me see here. We got some super chats and humper chats. Uh, Kevin Slitter says, I felt this year Forbidden Door was better than last year's. 100%.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. No you question. thought it was a
3: better no. show? Yeah. And I, I just think that you know, when the idea of Forbidden Door came around last year, we all went, oh, man, we're going to finally see the dream matches we've always wanted to see. And we, we saw some great matches last year, but we actually saw some of the dream matches this year. It is going to be tough to beat, though. This is going to be a really tough card to beat when they do Forbidden Door again next year. And I will say on top of that, I'm not just biased because we're both from Toronto, but that Toronto crowd it's adds crowd. an extra element because they're – just such rabid fans! Absolutely, absolutely. You gotta love a, a good Toronto crowd. Uh, Ian Hunter
2: says Forbidden Door was amazing live. Such a great show. Also got to meet Kate and Joel at Forbidden Door. A uh, couple great people you got there. Awesome. I wouldn't you know. I was actually out of town from Saturday until Tuesday. You'll know this, Chris. I was uh, at my cottage on the Saint
3: Lawrence River. You know where that is, of course. Some of the best smallmouth bass fishing in the world. Woo! Were you using some weight tungsten, <laughs> drop shot weights there to catch some smallmouth? I didn't
2: have time to fish. I didn't have time to fish, but uh, I wasn't able to, to see Forbidden Door. Sean had actually said to me, hey, so Kate's going to be in town. Denise Alcedo is going to be in town. And I didn't get to see anybody because uh, wouldn't you know, I was out of town that exact same weekend. But uh, I'm glad that Joel took care of people and did what he had to do.
3: Nice.
2: Uh, we have a Humber chat from Daniel. He says, hi, you all. CVV, I loved your Dan Housen interview. Do you have any other wrestlers you would like to interview with no
3: kayfabe? Oh, that's a great one. Because the Danhausen one is really interesting. I interviewed Danhausen completely out of character, no face makeup, no voice, none of that. And it's so interesting. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on my YouTube channel. It's interesting because he talked all about like where the character came from, how he came up with the voice. All of that fascinating look behind the scenes at who his character was. And there's a lot of people that are like, amazing. I I love Dan Housen even more because of this. And then there's the other audience that goes, you gave me too much. I don't like this. And it's just so interesting that we still live in a time where people are divided of like, no, I don't want kayfabe to be broken. And there's other people that are going, tell me all you can tell me. It'll make me more of a character. So to answer the other part of that question, we haven't really seen an interview with Orange Cassidy. We've seen Orange Cassidy in character. I've done two call them interviews, I guess with Orange Cassidy, where he says like one word in one interview and maybe three words in the other interview. I would love an hour with Orange Cassidy to just talk about like, where'd this character come from? Who were you before you were Orange Cassidy and and dive into all of that. I don't know if this will happen while he's actively wrestling, but I think that'd be a fascinating conversation. Very interesting.
2: Very interesting. You know, it's 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 wrestling is this this interesting medium where the care the wrestlers they essentially at least they used to maybe less so now but they used to live their characters all the time. Yeah. And so seeing a guy who plays you know a, a character that is far removed from you know Donovan Danhausen to see him go from the face paint and from that character to talking as himself, you never would have seen that. 20 years ago, it just wouldn't have happened. Like you wouldn't see Glenn Jacobs 20 years ago, you know, not being Kane, being Glenn Jacobs doing a public interview.
3: Yeah, and so that's a fascinating thing today that uh, that it just wasn't possible 20 years ago. And really, the only person that comes to mind right now is MJF, who's like in character every time yes. the cameras pointed at him. To a lesser extent, I think that Roman Reigns does that too. Like all of Roman Reigns' interviews have a touch of who his character is. Like he was on impulsive Logan Paul's podcast, really interesting interview, but he just kind of kept like circling it back to like, well, you know, you got to acknowledge me. Like, uh, you know, he kept coming back to like <laughs> character work. And I was like, oh, okay, I like that. I'm sorry. Is that your Roman Reigns impression? Yeah. let's Acknowledge me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Amazing. Uh, we got a super chat from Vasco. He says, what are your dream matches for forbidden door three? So maybe Chris is a better person to answer this because I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of japan Pro Wrestling, but I will say this. I would love to see a reunion of Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Mm. I'd like to see a reunion as, of the Golden Lovers tag team. And so maybe they get back together for a tag team match against a team from uh, AEW or against a combination of an AEW wrestler and a Japanese wrestler. That, I think, could be very fascinating.
3: Yeah, that's, that's really good. I, I keep going back to like... There there is a forbidden door. It's a brilliant name, by the way. It's not a true forbidden door if we can't have people from every single wrestling organization. So if that were to ever open up, I know it won't, but you know, if we could dream, I think that those are where you start to see the matches of like someone in maybe it's a three-way, someone from WWE and AEW and New Japan, maybe throwing someone from Impact. Those are the matches I want to see. Give me Will Ospreay versus literally anybody. I mean, if you saw my interview with him, you know that I'm a big Will Ospreay fan and I just have such an appreciation for the way that he works. So look, him versus Kenny is going to be really hard to top anywhere. But if they could do it again, look, I hope they do it again before Forbidden Door 3, but I'd love to see that match again. Imagine, say, Ospreay-Seth Rollins. <sighs> They and, and, talk, and they it was, talked on social
2: media. you know, Yeah,
3: and even it. said, like, that's the match he wants. What about, like, CM Punk needs to be worked into Forbidden Door 3 if he's still with the company or still actively wrestling at that point in time. That feels like that was a missed opportunity, but I, I understand why it didn't happen. But there's some matches there, especially with enough buildup that could really get people invested. Yeah, everybody
2: wanted the Kenta match. Yeah. and uh, And it just didn't come together, so... Uh, All right. So Chris, let me ask you a question. Do you like to save money, Chris? Love saving money. Big fan of saving money. (laughs) Well, if you want to save money on pay-per-views and browse the internet securely and safely, NordVPN can help. Joel, take it away.
0: Buying pay-per-views on NordVPN.com slash Fightful is going to enhance your pay-per-view buying process. Now, one subscription to NordVPN has so many different benefits, but If you're a big pay-per-view buyer like myself, UFC, boxing, pro wrestling, all that good stuff, any combination of the three, if they're doing a fight circus or something like that, this subscription will pay for itself after one or two pay-per-view buys. Change your virtual location, pay for it at the prices that other people are paying for it in the UK, in Australia, etc., etc., and... You can get different interfaces. Maybe you don't like Peacock and you want to check out the WWE network the way that it used to be, the way that it was designed to be, the easy navigation, so on and so forth. Maybe you want to watch AEW without commercials. Maybe there's some other overseas services that you can't subscribe to and you want access to them. NordVPN.com slash Fightful gives you that with a great deal and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Even better, 24-7 tech support. So if you have trouble navigating any of it, they can help you out. Fastest VPN on the planet, NordVPN.com slash fightful.
2: Beautiful work, Sean Rossap. We have a super chat from Daniel. He said, I haven't been watching wrestling as long as I, as long as either of you, but I think most people can see there is something that makes Brian Danielson special. His forbidden door entrance was awesome. On the microphone, facial expressions in ring. Is he the GOAT? If not him, who? I'll let you tackle that. Uh, what do you think?
3: It's been amazing watching B- Brian Daniel and now Daniel Bryanson's um, you know, other rise. way around. Yeah, yes. other way around. Let's yeah, do yeah. that. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, there we go. <laughs> it's been so interesting watching his rise. I was there at WrestleMania 30, Yes WrestleMania and it was basically like he was so over that they couldn't ignore him. And it was so incredible watching almost like a Rudy story at that time in WWE of like the guy who's just such a great worker and delivers every single time he's out there and being able to watch him grow, also come back. I mean, he was retired way before he was done with wrestling. He's very, very good. Certainly in the conversation for, top five that are working right now without question
2: i will often get asked about who do you think is the greatest of all time and i think that it comes down to category i think that just naming naming one wrestler i don't really think is fair i think you have to look at who is the biggest draw of all time what's the best character of all time the best in ring of all time the best all-around performer of all time i think there's different things you have to look at in that regard and so i would have brian up there maybe in a certain category uh, but can you say that he was the biggest draw? No. And so I wouldn't say he's the greatest, but the same thing can be said for anybody. Some people think uh, Shawn Michaels is the best of all time. Was Shawn Michaels the best promo? No. Well, did he have the best character? I don't know. So would I put him as the greatest of all time? No, but maybe the best in ring. Like that's why I, I I look at it from a character perspective or not a character perspective, a category perspective.
3: Yeah, so. absolutely. And it's always so interesting when you, you ha- start to have the Mount Rushmore conversation because- you have the categories of like, you know, biggest draw or best in ring and all these different types of things. I I go back so often to like, if we're talking about people that are wrestling right now that are the best of all time, it's really hard to make an argument against Chris Jericho with everything that he's done in his career, the amount of times he's reinvented himself and the new character has gotten over. I mean, Think of all the characters he's been. Lionheart, Y2J, Suit and Tie Jericho, List Jericho, Painmaker, Ocho. All of them have been over. So it's so hard to make an an argument against Chris Jericho. So I throw him up there too as the greatest of all time that are currently working.
2: I agree. I would put him up there as well. I'm sure his haters don't want to hear that, but uh, (laughs) I think Jericho definitely deserves to be up there. All right. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the latest going on with CM Punk and with The Elite. So FIFO Select reported that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were kept on a different side of the building from CM Punk at Forbidden Door. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think that long term, keeping these guys apart is not going to work. Uh, I think that there needs to be some kind of a sit down. There needs to be some kind of a meeting. I know I'm an old school guy, so I'm getting. I'm going to give you an old school reference, mm. and it's not apples to apples, but it's it's kind of close. So back in the late '80s, you might remember hearing the story: Jacques Rougeau, the Rougeau brothers, and the Bulldogs had it had a conflict. Jacques Rougeau sucker punched Dynamite Kid behind the scenes with a roll of quarters, busted up his mouth, busted up his teeth. The very first thing that Vince McMahon did was call a meeting with the Rugeaus and the Bulldogs. And I look at that and I think that's what AEW needs to do. They need to get these guys together in a room. And I understand that there might've been legal repercussions and whatever else, but these guys are professionals. These guys are veterans. They've all been doing this for a long time. I think they need to be brought together and I think they need to resolve this. Uh, Now, I do want to ask you your thoughts on something because this is something that Sean Rossup has kind of speculated or suggested. Do you think that maybe the young bucks and omega are holding off on that meeting cuz their contracts are coming up this year and they want to use this for leverage on a new deal do you think that might p- be playing a part in it at all uh, chris
3: yeah it's that's such an interesting component here right it's such an interesting fly in the ointment if you will <laughs> i i can't see the young bucks or kenny omega leaving like i just can't see that happening but then again, I also didn't think Cody Rhodes would have left and you know look at him now. I just think that if we were in any other workplace, you would have to be sat down with that person. like if we worked in an office and you and I didn't get along, Jimmy and some there was some massive falling out. I feel like our boss or HR would bring us together and go, look, I know you guys don't like each other, but you've got to work together for the sake of this company for the greater good of this company. I know we don't know exactly what happened between the, those two parties, but I feel like they've got to figure out some sort of way to hash this out. And I don't know if this is an ego thing. I don't know if it's just you know one party saying, I'm not going to talk to the other party or vice versa, but I feel like they need to come together. They don't have to like each other, but all they have to do is come together and work together. Or maybe- this is just some big work can build up to some massive match here. And we've all been played. Right. Just like the Montreal Screw job, right? Just like yeah. that. I mean, if this is actually <laughs> a work and this all leads up to an incredible match at all in, I know we're all going to be invested. I'm, I'm going to take you back quite a ways now. But remember the Edge Matt Hardy real life storyline, in WWE. Uh, I remember I wasn't even buying pay-per-views at that time, but I remember like calling my friend Greg and going, we are buying this pay-per-view because I'm pretty sure Matt Hardy is going to kill (laughs) edge. And it was a a pretty stiff match, but like that maybe that's what this ends up being. Yeah, it
2: could be. It could be. I mean, you know, obviously it's a different time and, and if we're being quite frank, I mean, financially these guys are in a different atmosphere now than they were back then. I'm sure Matt Hardy probably felt a little pressured to do the match because he wasn't at the level of edge in terms of his star power at the time. But mm-hmm. I you know I, again, the bucks and Omega and punk, I mean, these guys are veterans. These guys have been doing this for a long time. You think that they could be professional enough to uh, do what they got to do. I just think that a year from now, if Punk is still with the company a year from now and a year from now, and the Bucks and Omega for that matter, and a year from now, if we're still talking about, okay, there's a pay-per-view coming up and they got to keep Punk on one side of the building and, and the elite on the other side, I just don't see
3: how this is going to work long-term. You know, I, I wonder if this was one of the contingencies for Punk coming back of like, I'm going to come back, but just make sure that I don't even see those people. I don't know. Make, I mean, he said work. in the ESPN article,
2: he claimed he tried to reach out to the Bucks. Uh, and he said that the Bucks, uh, not the Bucks, but somebody told him, speak to a lawyer. But the thing is, is I don't know if that, that was the Bucks voluntarily saying that or if they were told to say that. And mm-hmm. so there were certain people in the wrestling news community that were kind of shitting on the Bucks for that. But we don't know if that was an order given to them. And so I don't think it's fair to uh, to really assess unless you know. Uh, okay, another forbidden door note. Brian Danielson broke his forearm in the main event match with Okada. Bree, his wife, posted the x-ray on social media. Looks like it was a clean break. Brian had said six to eight weeks was the recovery. Uh, Bree said uh, it's worse than they thought, and so it could be uh, longer that he's out. So uh, I don't know. I Some people criticized the match with Brian and Okada. And I didn't have a big problem with it for a number of reasons. The first reason was it had to follow Osprey Omega, which is going to be very difficult. That was number one. Number two, Brian did injure his arm during the match and broke his arm. So I didn't think that it was as bad as some of the discourse that I saw online. I also want to give props to Brian Danielson for his performance in the scrum afterwards, um, I thought he was excellent in the scrum afterwards. He's just, he's a very likable guy. He's very honest. He will answer any question. They even asked him about the tiger driver spot, uh, during that
3: scrum. What, what were your thoughts on the match? And, uh, you know, what happened to Brian during the match? I think you raise a lot of good points there. Like anyone would have a tough time trying to follow how good Osprey and Omega was, but like, can we, can we give Daniel Bryan, you know, kind of a little bit of a break here? like, Wrestling with a broken arm and he kept going for 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes. There's a lot of people that would have just, you know, said, "Oh, roll me up, man. Like <laughs> a lot of pain, my arm is broken. But like the fact that he kept going, uh, I, I think really speaks to his character. And I Bree kind of said something of like, should I be proud of him for continuing to go? Or should I think he's, you know, an idiot for continuing the match? I thought the match was fine, difficult spot to be put in, but The dude broke his arm. I mean, come on. I feel like we should be celebrating the fact that the match continued to go on. I'm curious, Jimmy, what's your take on how the press scrums have been going? Because they've evolved a lot since the very first one that I was a part of, AEW Double or Nothing in 2019. They've evolved a lot from then. I feel like in 2019, they were very, almost newsy. Like, they weren't weren't really in kayfabe. And I feel like now... They're very kayfabe. Even Tony Khan, to a certain extent, is very kayfabe in those. I mean, he kind of always has been. You know, I mean, you know, one of
2: the knocks on Tony is that when he does interviews, he spins everything into a promotion. So you'll ask him a question and then he'll spin it into, you know, by the way, Dynamite this week, we got this or whatever. I So my take has always been I like the concept of the scrum. Uh, it gives it more of a live sports feel because I, I just like the concept of it. I've always believed that Tony should not sit with the talent at the scrum. Why I've always, do you
3: think that happens? I agree with you.
2: Um, do you want my honest opinion? So this, <laughs> this is, this is my honest opinion as an outsider. I think he likes the publicity.
0: Have you guys seen Chuck Norris lately? He's still kicking butt, staying active well into his eighties. What's even more shocking is he looked more jacked than ever. And seems to have more energy than guys half his age. And it's all thanks to Morning Kick. A revolutionary new daily drink from Roundhouse Provisions that combines ultra-potent greens like spirulina and kale with probiotics, prebiotics, collagen, and even ashwagandha. Just mix it with water, stir, and enjoy. Unlike the other green drinks out there, this one tastes exactly like strawberry lemonade. Has hundreds of five-star reviews. I love the taste of this. I love the way that I feel after drinking it. I've never felt better. My digestion is smoother. Body looks leaner. I have energy all day. I just feel younger. And the flavor is so much better than other green drinks. Go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash Fightful for up to 44% off your regular price order. Every purchase is packed with a 90-day money-back guarantee. So if you want to experience smoother digestion, Boost of energy and overall a healthier body go to roundhouseprovisions.com slash fightful today
2: this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows
1: the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines
2: That's just mm-hmm. my honest opinion. I think he likes to, to sit there because I think he likes the publicity and I think he likes being part of the whole thing. Uh, I don't think he should sit with the talent because I think that he he is a distraction when he sits with the talent. Now it might have been Sean that said to me on a podcast, well, he does it because he wants to keep things flowing and keep keep timing going and stuff. You can do that without sitting there. you know you, well, you can yeah, either-
3: back in the day they used to have uh, you know the PR person standing there going, okay guys, two more questions
2: exactly exactly yeah you can either sit out sit on the side if you want to be a part of it you can either sit on the side or you can do what WWE does have somebody else like you're suggesting time things out and then you have your turn to answer questions just like everybody else and I think that's how I would do it I think that he is a distraction when he sits there oftentimes when a a wrestler asks a question they'll look at Tony um, because they almost want him they're not quite sure what they want to say yeah. So uh I don't think he should sit with the talent. I think that he should give himself his own opportunity, either before the talent or after the talent are done. But I don't yeah. think he should sit with them. And that's well, just the way, that it,
3: the way it used to work was like, and I'm talking the first six pay-per-views, was they would bring out three or four talent, and then Tony would come out at the end and they would say two more questions, and Tony would go, No, guys, I'm happy to answer all of your questions. I'll be here all night. And he would right. sit there for 40, 50, 60 minutes just answering all the questions. I, I, I will say, though, that him sitting there, it doesn't matter who he's sitting next to, he does make some great facials. He does. He does. Yeah, I just, I just don't want to see another brawl-out scrum situation. Which also kind of raises the question of how different would that CM Punk press scrum have been if Tony wasn't there? Would it have been better or worse? And I'm thinking it probably would have been better because we wouldn't have seen... Tony going through all the emotions that he had to go through during that. I think
2: it would have been the same from Punk's perspective. I think that he would have gone off regardless, and I I think that it was it it would have been. And I'm sure I'm sure Tony Khan has probably thought about this a thousand times. And hindsight, 2020. I think that he should have kind of reeled Punk in and kept him on topic. Uh, But if he wasn't there at all, then there would have been nobody, you know, to to kind of try to reel Punk in anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's a tough situation. Uh, I, something tells me that that brawl out scrum thing will never happen again. I don't think, because I think that even a guy like punk probably knows better. And I think that Tony Khan knows better and yeah. won't, le- won't let him go off for 20 minutes again, like he did the first time. So, yeah. um, all right, let's talk about some AEW, uh, collision stuff because of course, Chris already, people are trying to read eulogies for collision. Chris, It's only been two weeks, and people are already trying to read eulogies for Collision, which is really ridiculous. So last uh, Saturday, the show averaged 595,000 viewers. It was a 27% drop from week one. Uh, The key demo rating, which is the 18 to 49 demo, it was down 36.4% to a 0.21 rating versus week one. Like I said, I saw a lot of discourse online. The AEW haters are celebrating. So I want to go ahead and throw in a dose of reality, Chris Van Vliet. So here's the situation. Number one, it was inevitable that the rating yes. was going to drop from week one to week two. It was inevitable. Yeah. We, we every show, whether it be dynamite, whether it be XFL football, everything, you're going to get the curiosity factor. Week one, it's going to drop. Week two. So that's point number one. Yeah. Secondly, it's way too early to pass judgment on the on the success or failure of a show. I think you got to wait at least six months and see how the thing is doing. At that point. Uh, As opposed to passing judgment. Now that's number two. And here's the third, third point that I want to make. And this is again, reality. If you go back to June 10th, which was the last Saturday night before collision started. And if you look at what collision did this past uh, Saturday, they would have still been number six for the night. Had they, had they aired uh, the week of June 10. And they were going against a lot of live sports competition on June 10. The Stanley Cup finals were going on. The UFC pay-per-view prelims were going on. A lot of strong sports competition. And yet, last Saturday's collision would have still finished number six for the night on cable. So I think that to pass judgment and say, oh, the show's dead in the water, it's just way too premature. Uh, what are your thoughts?
3: Well, look, that's not what wrestling fans are all about, though. Like, you can't say, like, let's wait six months to really feel this out and get a few storylines under our belt and go through a few different seasons and different shows. That's not going to happen, right? But I think that it would be smart to be able to look six months from now and then look back on, you know, is the show successful or not? And then we can pass judgment on it. I think that is the real um barometer here is what did that – time slot due for the network before collision was on there and i'm sure that the numbers are much higher now i would have to think that the network's happy that they've got this many more eyeballs watching the show than were previously watching uh the network on a saturday night so i think that that's a big thing that nobody seems to be talking about um and really they should be talking about that but look like you said uh, you have the fall off after week 1 i mean they hyped up cm punk's return Uh, that was a big thing. Of course, you're going to have some people fall off from there. And there's the thing that we've always talked about. Saturday nights in general for television, not just pro wrestling, but in general for television is a difficult ask because there's so many things that are going on for anybody on a Saturday night that you could be doing instead of sitting down and watching TV.
2: Yeah. And a a 0.21 key demo rating that'll get you top five every week.
3: Like every week, and these are the. I love that you're putting this spin on it because nobody's talking about those things. And if you've listened to me for a while, you know how I feel about television ratings. They are not accurate. They are completely skewed. The Nielsen rating method is so insanely archaic. It doesn't even make sense that we're still using that model. Like I can't believe that that's still a thing. But unfortunately, it's the only thing that we do have right now. But uh, the idea that like this is still a top five show. A top five show. I mean, that's that's huge. You can't just pull that out of your ass.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're fine. I mean, we don't know how much Warner Brothers Discovery is paying AW for a w four collision. We know that they gave them a cash injection for the show. We don't know how much. I think top five is fine. and and like I said, I think uh, passing judgment after two weeks is just way too premature. You have to give it some time. We okay. have a super chat from uh, Mr. Acosta right along this topic. He said, big fan of your interviews, Chris. I like you too, Jimmy LOL. <laughs> And then he said thoughts on recent collision ratings, especially since it was the go home show for Forbidden Door Two. And we we've already answered that. I I think that uh, right. uh people I will you say know the
3: go home shows are always so interesting to me because you know, like nothing's really gonna happen on them. Like the matches for the weekend are already set. That's the go home shows for me are always kind of like, yeah. Remember when WWE used to always like take these two people who were wrestling against these two people they are wrestling against, they would put them in like a tag match or a three-way or sorry, a six man match and i'm like guy, i really don't care if this is happening i'm gonna watch the pay-per-view anyway
2: right right we got a super chat a humper chat from daniel he says will forbidden door always be in toronto i know you two might be biased but i think it would be really cool for forbidden door to be all over the world the first spot should be in japan i really hope for the next forbidden door stardom is a part of it i don't think it's always going to be in toronto at all yeah. I don't don't think think so either.
3: I also think that AEW probably learned a lesson from doing Double or Nothing in Vegas, maybe one too many years in a row. So yeah, I think Forbidden Door will be somewhere else. I think it'll be in a wrestling city. Like it'll be in a city that's like jacked up about wrestling. Maybe it's in London. Maybe it's in Chicago or Philly, but I think it will be in a, a hardcore wrestling city. But yeah, I don't think it'll be... In Toronto every year. I don't think
2: so either. I think it's also good to put it in a in a town that's uh, uh, enticing to the traveling fan because I think a lot of traveling fans came to Toronto for Forbidden Door. Yes. So, uh, so I imagine that's going to happen. All right. Let's move on and talk about some WWE stuff. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to get your quick picks on Money the Bank. Money the Bank is this weekend. Good old Sean Ross Sapp is enjoying life in London, England right now. He is over there. He was at the Russell Talk studios doing some stuff with them today. So uh, let's get some quick predictions from you, Chris Van Vliet. Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa,
3: the Usos. That's actually a tough one to call. Like, I, I that, that one could really go either way. But if I had to make a decision right now, I'm going to go with the Usos win. But Roman doesn't take the pin. Fascinating. Do you think we could see a new Bloodline member, maybe? Ooh, maybe.
2: I mean, who could it be? Well, there's. It's funny. I was joking with Sean about this. So there are a lot of people, you know, of say Samoan descent in wrestling, uh, but they're not necessarily related to Roman Reigns. But then again, The Rock's not either. And you know, they talk about how he's head of the table. So you can blur the line when it comes to that kind of stuff. There are options if they wanted to go down that road. But I
3: guess we'll see what happens. I wish at some point that Jacob Fatu finally just went. Yes, I'm going to go to NXT slash WWE. Could be a fascinating addition, yeah. All right, here's the thing we were talking
2: about earlier, the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. I'm going to ask Chris Van Vliet, Logan Paul or LA Knight? Who takes it?
3: And it's funny that you've narrowed it down to those two because I've also seen a lot of chatter online about Damian Priest, and I think what we saw this week could make sense for Damian Priest to win, cash in on Seth if he's still the champion. But I think it's it has to be LA Knight. It has to be. LA Knight he is so red hot right now. I actually said to him in the interview, you're red hot right now. He's like, "Well, if I'm red hot, I want to be white hot." <laughs> and yeah. The crowd reaction that he gets right now and he really hasn't been put in a spot that's really getting him over. Like he's gotten himself over. And to think about this, he's pretty much still a heel. So if he did a full babyface turn, Look, he should win Money in the Bank, but if he does win Money in the Bank and as a babyface, it presents another problem for WWE where they're trying to push Cody so badly. Cody's our main babyface. Cheer for Cody. LA Knight's getting bigger pops than Cody right now. So what kind of issue does that set up later on down the line when your biggest babyface isn't even the guy you're pushing the most?
2: I think it's okay if they keep LA Nate on the other brand. So if they keep LA Knight on SmackDown, they keep Cody on raw. I think you're okay. Uh, the only issue is now I, okay. I, I feel I've talked about this before. I understand the perception from WWE or the line of thinking within WWE, Logan Paul marketing, you know, he, he's a very attractive to a demo that we want to plug into. I understand why they would want to consider Logan Paul for money in the bank. I think if you shit on LA Knight one time, too many, the fans are going to eventually give up on him because, yeah. because like you said, his, his rise has been organic. His rise is not the result of the way that he has been positioned or pushed. His rise is a result of his own work, starting with uh elimination chamber and Ray Wyatt. And it was basically his own work that got him to this position. And then so many times, Oh, he's finally on television. He lost to Xavier Woods. He's finally on television. He lost to Santos Escobar. You can only do it so many times. He's yeah. got to win. The problem is because he's on the SmackDown brand, he ain't beating Roman Reigns. It's not going to happen, but he also has a year. He's got a year. And so I think that they should uh, let him ride it
3: out for a while. There's no reason for him to cash it in too soon. And he told me he's got some, yeah, shirts coming out in the next few weeks here. There you go. That's going to be a top seller. It's also coming out with LA night sunglasses, which is brilliant. I actually think Logan Paul is the new Shane McMahon. Because when Logan Paul is inserted into a match, you go, damn, what's this guy going to do? I mean, think uh-huh. of the Royal Rumble, think of the frog splash off the top through the announce table. Like Logan Paul plus ladders equals an incredible opportunity to do something that's going to make us go, oh my God, I don't think Logan Paul needs to win this match to have the mo- to be over or to have the most talked about spot of the night. And I think that's going to happen. Logan Paul is going to do something so silly with ladders, maybe also with Ricochet there. That's going to make us go, man, Logan Paul's great. And I'm really happy for LA night. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I'm I'm sure that Logan Paul and Ricochet are going to cook something up too, you know? So, all right. What about the women's money in the bank ladder match? This one is, is interesting. You've got EO sky, Trish Stratus, Zoe Stark, Bailey, Zelina Vega, and Becky Lynch.
3: Who's your pick? I actually think this one's really, really tough to call. I, I'm going to go with EOSky here. I don't feel as strongly as I do about LA Night, yeah, but I just think that that one makes sense with kind of the way that everything's lining up.
2: I would love to see Io Sky win it and go after Oscar. I think that would be a lot of fun. That's a matchup people have been looking forward to seeing. We'll see. the The interesting dynamic in this one is okay. You got Io Sky, but then maybe Bailey, you know, uh, stops that from happening. Then you think well, maybe maybe Zoe Stark's going to get a shot. Well, Trish Stratus is in there too, and these people are aligned. But when it comes to a title shot, maybe they're not going to want their uh, their friend or their partner to to take it so i agree with you it's kind of a hard one to call some of these other matches to me are pretty easy to predict yeah uh seth rollins finn balor rollins is not losing to finn balor
3: no and i love what they're doing with I, i keep calling him secondary title seth because it's so unfortunate that the world heavyweight championship has come back but it's not quite a world title even though they want to call it that I like what Seth is doing with this basically open challenge. And, you know, he he's a fighting champion. I think that he continues to be a fighting champion. I, I think that he wins this one for sure.
2: Yeah, I think so too. What about uh, another one? It should be interesting though. Cody Rhodes, Dominic Mysterio. Now, do you think there's any possibility Brock Lesnar shows up, costs Cody the match, and that leads to their third match at SummerSlam?
3: That, that would be some really smart booking, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But I understand why this match works on paper. You've got the guy who gets the biggest heel reaction in Dom, and it's it's so brilliant. Dominic Mysterio is a heel It's so brilliant. Yep. And then you've got the guy that WWE is pushing as the biggest babyface and Cody. So putting them together makes perfect sense. But Cody has to win this match. I mean, it makes sense for Cody to win this match. I also don't know where it goes from here. If Cody does win, how does this set up a SummerSlam match if Brock Lesnar doesn't inject himself into this match in some sort of way?
2: Yep. I mean, they're going to be doing the SummerSlam push after the show. So if if it doesn't happen at Money in the Bank, it would have to happen on Raw
3: afterwards. Yeah, a lot of what's going to happen at Money in the Bank is going to shake out into SummerSlam. So really curious how that one comes out. But I think that whatever happens, Cody's going to look great coming out of that match.
2: Yep. I think so too. All right. Intercontinental title, Gunther versus Matt Riddle. Now I know Gunther's had the title for a while. I don't think Matt Riddle's the guy to take the belt off him. What do you think?
3: I don't think this match even really makes sense to me. Gunther is fantastic. And I, I could be totally okay with him being the intercontinental champion for like the next six years. It's so good. I love that he's given that championship like a a real like value again. Like he's making it feel important again. So look, have him in a match with anybody and it's going to be a really solid match. Uh, I, I just think that he keeps bowling through people.
2: And the women's tag team titles: Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler, Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez. Ronda and Shayna haven't had the belts that long. I don't see them losing.
3: I agree with you there too, and uh, I feel like there's so many amazing matches that are happening on this card that they're going to have to do a lot to make people want to pay attention to that match. I feel like. So Chris Van
2: Vliet is a new father. We've talked about it. How is your sleep since you had a baby, Chris Van Vliet? Oh,
3: <laughs> not great. Not I'm getting some sleep. My wife is getting a significant amount less, but not great.
2: Not great. Well, if anybody else likes to feel rested and maybe like Chris, they don't, and you want to sleep better, our friends at Helix Sleep can help. Take it away, Joel. When I'm traveling, the
0: thing I miss the most is my bed. That's because I've got a Helix Sleep mattress. I worked with Helix Sleep before it ever became HelixSleep.com/slash/Fightful during the pandemic. I needed a new mattress. My back was hurting. I was sleeping on a slab of memory foam. It was not working for me, but I didn't want to go to a mattress store. I wouldn't have wanted to even if it wasn't the pandemic at the time. But I looked up and found helixsleep.com slash fightful. And I found a ton of five-star reviews. I found a ton of benefits. There are so many different options. There are options for, for people who sleep too warm, people that want their spine aligned, people who want just anything. And how, how do you how do you find what you need from helixsleep.com slash Fightful? You take an online questionnaire and when you fill it out, they will find your preferences and match you up to the mattress that works for you. I got the Dusk Lux model. And right now, you can get 25% off any purchase for a limited time using the code FIGHTFUL. And you get two free dream pillows. I've had a lot of neck issues, and helixsleep.com slash FIGHTFUL has really helped me out in this regard. It's been put over by Wired, GQ, Good Housekeeping, all kinds of people, most importantly, FIGHTFUL. But they have over 30,000 five-star reviews they have great flexible financing plans, and it comes straight to your door. If you don't like it, after 100 nights, they'll just come get it for you. What do you have to lose? Invest in your sleep. HelixSleep.com slash Fightful.
3: Sean does a very good ad read, by the way. There you
2: go. Yeah, he, uh, he taking he's taking notes. he got a second career waiting for him if he wants it. Who knows? All right, I'm we're in the notes. home stretch. Get in your super chats if you want your statement or question. Yeah, get, get those on the super air. chats in. Or go to humbershot.com, send in your question or statement, and myself or Chris Van Vliet will read it, and we will answer just about everything. All right, we got to talk about uh, Vince McMahon. We got a super chat from rock hard Joel Wood. He says, Jimmy, given that it's been a few months, do you still think that Vince McMahon gets voted out by the board next year? So I don't know what kind of language is in the contracts, now he's talking about when the new co is created. As soon as the Endeavor deal closes and yeah. a new co is created, Visman going to be the chairman of that new co. I don't know what kind of protections are in the deal uh, to prevent an election. Eventually, a board election is going to happen, and when a board election happens, I do not think Visman will uh, will remain chairman. But who knows when that will be? Who knows if there's protections in the contracts? Who knows if they can't do an election for 12 months? I got no idea. And so uh, it is what it is. But I want to get your thoughts on on uh, a report from FIFA Select about this man. Uh, FIFO Select reported that Vince is making plenty of changes remotely via phone to WWE televis- uh, television. And there was frustration in almost every level of WWE with respect to changes that were made to last week's Raw and SmackDown episodes. They have reportedly been trying to Vince-proof the show's. <laughs> by advertising matches in advance because Vince generally likes to make good on the advertised matches if possible. What are your thoughts on uh, you know Vince? He's, he's in there. He's changing things last minute. They're trying to Vince-proof the
3: shows. What are your thoughts on all that? I think that even when we didn't think Vince had his hands on the product, Vince still had his hands on the product. We probably just weren't hearing about it as much. I don't know. I think that as long as Vince McMahon is still alive, that he will still have some sort of say on what happened, certainly on Raw, probably on SmackDown. I don't know if there's anything that can be done that will change this. And I do know that if LA Knight doesn't win Money in the <laughs> Bank, I think we can point at one man and go, oh, it's because of that person. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I
2: mean, you know, I will say this, and here's the irony of the situation. Vince or, or no Vince... WWE continues to crush it. And yeah. this past Monday, Monday night raw, they averaged 1.97 million viewers, which in today's television landscape, those are some pretty big numbers. They did a 0.61 rating in the key demo. And to give you an idea of how big that is, that is almost double what dynamite did last week in the key demo, demo uh, on Wednesday night, they were beaten only by the college world series and they beat everything on broadcast television in the key demo, so WWE is still on a roll to what do you credit this continued momentum? Because when you look at raw, there's a lot that is getting over right now. I mean, Seth Rollins is over. Gunther is over Kevin, Kevin and, and Sammy, Becky Lynch, Cody Rose, judgment day, even alpha Academy. There are a lot of acts on RAW that are getting a buzz to what do
3: you credit this continued momentum with those kind of numbers? I think for me, it comes down to the bloodline. Like I think that the bloodline was such an interesting storyline that it brought people that were on the fringe or brought those casual fans back in. And then they went, oh, you've also got some great stuff going on with all of these other things. And WWE rode a huge wave of momentum into WrestleMania. And now they're riding that huge wave of momentum out of WrestleMania. They've just been doing some really good booking. And I think at the end of the day, people forget that WWE is a business. It's a publicly traded company. And I mean, I could pull up my stock app right now, but if you had put your money into WWE like three years ago, you would have doubled it by now. So say what you want about WWE, whether you're a fan or not. WWE as a business is more successful than they've ever been. For sure. Are you in the stock market, Chris Van Vliet? Yeah, I am. We should talk. I am well, too. Let's talk. We could do a whole other show. I'm <laughs> very, very curious what their market cap is right now. Look, the, one share sells for a hundred and eight dollars. Crazy. One yep. year ago today, that it sold for sixty dollars. You would have almost doubled your money if you put it in last year at this time.
2: Yep. I don't. I don't. Cap
3: is, market cap's eight billion dollars. <laughs> I, uh, I don't like to talk uh, uh, details
2: too much, but I will say I got WWE at 80 and I got Tesla at 105. That's all I'm
3: going to say about it. Uh, well, we have I had, had WWE at like 55, maybe like 2019. And I'm like, oh, I'll sell it at like 61 or whatever. And I'm like, hey, I made a few bucks. Jeez. Better than losing, my goodness. Better than losing, right? Yes, I, yeah. Let me, you only lose if you sell, right? There you go. There you go. Yep. Rock hard, Joel Wood. He says,
2: so far, Vince's changes haven't really affected my enjoyment of the product. In my opinion, the best case scenario is he continues to give his input, but not actually be at the shows. I mean, obviously, that's better than, than, you know, sitting in Gorilla. But I can understand the frustration level if you are a part of the creative team or if you're even a member of the talent roster when you think you know what you're doing and then someone comes to you and says, "Ah, it's been changed and it's like 7.50 p.m. on a Monday night. I can understand how that's frustrating, but I agree with with what uh, Joel is saying. At least it's happening remotely and he's not sitting in gorilla and adding that extra level of intimidation.
3: It would also be so difficult if like you've been told in the afternoon, like, all right, this is the promo and you're going to go out there and do this. And then 750, they give you a two page new promo with a completely different objective. And you're going, oh, my God, I got, how, how am I going to how am I going to figure this all out? And that apparently happens all the time.
2: Yeah, we got a super chat from Rayan Mohammed. Uh, CM Punk merch sells on AEW shop is the top selling for the week, month and year. AEW has an attraction in Punk. His quarter hours for collision are the highest ratings and he is the number one face heel with the crowd. I don't think anybody's uh, arguing that. I mean, Punk is their number one draw. That's when you really think about it, how many members of the talent roster in AEW could do what Punk did in terms of the things that he said at that talent scrum where he shit. He essentially is shit on executives of the company. That's what he did. He said the Bucks couldn't run a target. He shit on the executives of the company, and he continued to get paid for 10 months, although I know he was injured, but he continued to get paid for 10 months. Then not only did they bring him back, but they give him his own freaking show. Yeah. How many members of the talent roster could do that? There's no question that Punk is a draw. Otherwise,
3: these opportunities would not have been given to him. Nobody's arguing any of the points that you made in the Super Chat. You're absolutely right. And Punk is the reason that the numbers for the first episode of or I guess his debut on Rampage were so big. He's the reason that the numbers for the first episode of Collision were so big and people love wearing his merchandise. But the thing about, I mean, you can go either way on this, but the thing about him saying everything he said in the press scrum and then coming back without any public repercussions, at least, kind of makes it seem like you can just say whatever you want and it's okay. You know what? One thing
2: I learned in business a long time ago, and I've told Sean Ross this behind the scenes before, is when you are in management, you know, when you manage people, one thing that you have to learn is that you have to eat shit sometimes for your top producers. And that's the reality of business. And Tony Khan probably knows that as well as anybody because he's eaten a lot of shit for CM Punk. But sometimes you have to do that. I mean, the guy moves numbers. That's just how it is.
3: I'm really curious, Jimmy, when we have the same conversation uh, a year from now or 18 months from now, How are people going to feel about CM Punk? Because I feel like him having this little bit of an edge to him actually makes him really exciting. The summer of Punk, happy to be here Punk, or the happy to be here Punk that returned in AEW was cool, but this Punk is much more like the CM Punk that did the pipe bomb that's a little bit edgier that makes people go, huh. What's I agree. Gonna say or do next i agree
2: i agree he's polarizing his, his fans love everything he does and his detractors think he's a piece of shit so <laughs> he's he's a very polarizing personality uh after this go to fifoselect.com we're going to do the list goes on which is kind of like the after show after we do this podcast on youtube so check that out i got one more thing for you on this show before you go to the list goes on just because you might know this person or you might have some some connection so wwe announced that jackie redmond is going to be joining raw as a backstage interviewer before before she was doing some studio work for wwe uh but now she's going to be joining raw as a backstage interviewer kathy kelly's moving to smackdown megan morant is now going to host raw talk and she's going to do other studio work being canadian and and being from toronto uh, I'm very familiar with Jackie Redmond. She follows a, a line of people that have come from sports talk television in Toronto, specifically right to wrestling from Maura Ranallo to Arda Ocal to Renee Paquette, and now to Jackie Redmond. You're from the Toronto area. Uh, have you ever had any uh, any connection to Jackie Redmond or to any of those other people that I mentioned?
3: All of the other people. Yes. Jackie, I think I had moved out of Toronto by the time that she was on Sportsnet, right? Sportsnet's where she That's came right. from? Yeah uh, WWE knows exactly what they're doing here. Like take someone who has like just great broadcasting abilities and throw them into the mix and they'll just knock it out of the park. Like Renee will be the first to tell you she wasn't really a wrestling fan, didn't know a ton about it and then started talking about it and going, yeah, I can be passionate about this. I I, look, congrats to Jackie on this position. I'm also curious, like when is, when are they going to have another dude backstage interviewer? It's a lot of, of women doing that role right now (laughs) what are you trying to say chris i'm trying to say like you know maybe bring me in for a few (laughs) questions i can i can hold a microphone Well, I, I've been a fan of Jackie's for a while. Uh, so she does great work by the way. And I just want to put that out there. She does great work. Congrats to her on this position.
2: Yeah. And she, and, and one thing that she has in common with say Arto Ocal, more Ronaldo, when they were doing sports talk television, uh, in Toronto, they would oftentimes talk about pro wrestling because they were wrestling fans. So Jackie would talk about wrestling. Arto Ocal was an enormous pro wrestling fan. Uh, and so I can understand from WD's perspective, these people have the legitimate sports broadcasting background that we might like, but they also know wrestling, and uh, I think Jackie's going to be a good fit if they let her showcase her sense of humor, because you know sometimes you put the handcuffs on, but if they let her showcase her sense of humor, she's going to be a runaway hit on that show. So uh, we'll see how it goes. And sometimes it's difficult
3: in that position where all you're trying to do is get the talent over and move the storyline along, and you've basically been given a question of like, how do you feel about your match tonight against Finn Balor? And like, there's really no chance to showcase personality. I hope that they let her do it. Me too.
2: Me too. All right, that's going to do it for the list and the Chris. Go to FIFOSelect.com. We're going to do the list goes on. Check it out right now. Chris, thanks for joining me again, man. Good to see you, Jimmy. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,
3: but he can hear gears grinding